0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, we have got a lot of college football to get to this morning. In-state games, BYU and Utah, obviously. Also, Weber State and Dixie State, you can hear from the coaches in just a couple minutes. We're going to start, though, with BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. Can they run the ball against the Utes? If not, does it all fall on Jaron Hall, and how does that work out? You know what the Utes are going to try and do. Take away the run and make it one-dimensional, because that would be like the, I don't know, 200th or 250th straight game that Kyle Whittingham's tried that. All right, here's Aaron Roderick, former Utah offensive coordinator. He sat in rooms with Kyle. He knows exactly how he thinks. Now he's getting BYU's offense ready to face the Utes. Here's A-Rod with the media.
1: I wanted to ask you about uh, execution. Had some great moments against Arizona. Weren't able to put the game away. Had a couple opportunities maybe offensively to, to put the game away. Where do you feel like your execution's at heading into game two?
2: Um, well, that's a good question. We'll find out Saturday. Um, we did not finish the game the way that I expected us to last week. Um, and Arizona's a good defense. They did a lot of... Um, what I would call exotic things that we had not practiced. In fact, really almost nothing they did in that game was anything we had practiced. Um, They came out in a totally different thing, and it it gave us some issues. And we got to do better, though. There's no excuses. We got to execute better. Um, This week, different type of challenge. You know, we know them pretty well. They know us pretty well. But these guys are really good. They've got great players. And so it's going to take – all eleven players executing at their best every snap to have a chance to win.
1: On a different topic, Aaron, if I if I read your bio right, you were at BYU in two thousand one for nine eleven. If that if I remember right, yeah. I know they're doing the tribute with the helmet stickers and and that. What what does that do to a game, or just what what does that add when you you have those types of moments, those types of memories? Um. You know,
2: I try to keep those things separate from the game personally. I, you know, that was a, that's one of those moments in life. Everybody remembers where they were when it happened. Everybody has, you know, their own meanings attached to it. Um, I actually try not to mix that with this game. And so, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not opposed to us, you know, having any, any you know, whatever activities or whatever types of things, you know, commemoration or whatever, I don't know what, what the word is. I'm not opposed to that. I just, I try to keep those two things in separate boxes and that way I can focus on doing this job and then also show the proper respect for what a, you know, huge event that was in all of our lives.
1: Trevor and
2: then Jake. Hey, rod being on both sides of this rivalry, is it viewed differently in Utah or BYU? Like, do each program look at this game differently or is it all the same? it's all the same man it's, it's like it's the same i think if one of the things i find i've found in playing and coaching at both places you know playing it here coaching there coaching again here is that you know you, you could mix the two locker rooms and you wouldn't really know the difference or if you know you could transplant them from one place to the other it's just a bunch of college football players trying to win a game a bunch of coaches that want to win And the rivalry means something I'm not saying it's not a big game. It's huge. We all want to win, but it's, it's just um, There's a lot more in common, I think, than there are differences. Hey, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about your offensive line. It seemed like against Arizona, they had moments of brilliance and other moments where they struggled. Is that just simply You guys are having to put three new starters in there and expecting them to gel right away is maybe a little unrealistic. That that might have been a little bit of part of it, but it had more to do with them and they, what they were doing. I mean, they, there was this radical twist games and and pressures and corner blitzes and free safety and the boundary linebacker come in one play. The field, they blitzed the field corner like three times. I've seen that three times in 20 years, and they did it three times in one game. The the corner from the field, I mean, that's like – it was some wild stuff going on, and we had we, – we had, uh, we had our hands full figuring all that out and we had never seen any of it before on film. He, he came in, I guess he just thought he couldn't beat us doing what he usually does. So he had a pretty radical game plan and, and uh, it caused us some problems for sure. So we got to be better, no excuses. Utah could come out and do something that we're not ready for. And we got to be able to adjust better than we did last week. I talked with Harris LeChance, and he kind of mentioned the fact that you guys have guiding principles with your offense. And he said, you guys, at least him as a player, he felt like the offense really relied on those kind of key
1: principles to kind of absorb what Arizona was doing and obviously counter what they were doing.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So once the game hit a stage where it was, you know, a little chaotic, we just decided to go kind of back to our basics and our fundamentals Um decided to make sure we protect the ball. You know, I felt like as long as we protected the ball, we'd have a great chance to win. And um, so, you know, we don't always want to be that. I don't, I don't want to use the word conservative, but we were probably a little more conservative than usual because of the way they were playing on defense, the style of coverages they were running and the different pressures we decided uh, let's, let's, let's be smart. Let's take care of this ball and and get out of here with a win. And so, Again, that's not how we want to play every game, but I, th- I think it was the right decision last week. And, and what Harris is talking about is, is correct. You know, our, our basic blocking rules can handle those things even if we haven't practiced it. And it took us a little while to adjust, but I thought we had that stretch in the middle of the game there, those three series in a row where we were, we were blocking them up pretty well and moving the ball. And then uh, uh, just didn't like the way we finished the game. We should have we finished better.
3: Mitch,
1: and then Jay. Coach, uh, you noted moments ago how many similarities and the crossover between the two
2: staffs and and the two programs, yet at the same time, the past decade, Utah's had a lot of success, and
1: the common denominator has been uh, Kyle Whittingham. You, You had a front row view of how he operated in this rivalry. What has made him so successful in this thing?
2: Um, yeah, I was there for six of the first nine of this, of this uh, streak, whatever. And um, he's a great coach. It starts there. He's a great coach, and this game's a, this game's a huge deal to him, and it's he makes it a huge deal to the whole program. And and uh, you know we have to match that. We got to match that. But he's an outstanding coach, and he's that's why they're good. He's he's leading that ship. <laughs> Is there ever a a concern about balancing, like getting too emotional into the game? And I mean, is is that something that kind of, hey guys, keep it in check. You got to keep the motion still, just stay according to the plan. Is that something you talk to the guys going into games like this, just balancing
1: out those emotions?
2: Yeah, I think think that's a big part of football in general and especially in a rivalry game. You know, um, you've got to be sort of, you know, on that razor's edge where you're, you know, emotionally, you're charged up and you're, you're, you know, intense, You've in, you've prepared for the game and you're ready to go emotionally. But at the same time, you don't lose your mind and go out there and do a bunch of wild stuff. I mean, you got to execute, especially as an offensive player, you've got to execute your assignment the way you've been coached to do with the technique you've been coached to do it with. And, and um, that takes poise. And so, you know, there's a balance there that you got to find as a player.
1: Aaron, you just talked about the streak and uh, one of the common
2: denominators is just turnovers. BYU's offense is turnovers. Is that something you don't talk about or is there something you can do to cut down on those or how do you go about uh, preparing for what almost always happens in this game? Yeah, we're talking about it and not necessarily in regard to the past games because, you know, this is a different, this game's, past games have nothing to do with this game but you're right that that was a factor the last time we played them you know we threw two pick sixes and had a fumble uh they gave them a short field in the in the red zone um just gifted them three scores so but i'm not really harping on that with our team but i'm what i am talking about every week is you know winning starts with not beating yourself you know you can't you can't be an explosive offense and score, score, you know, points if you don't have the ball. If you're just give, if you're giving the ball to the other team, um, you, A, you can't score. And then B, you're often just giving them points. And so, you know, we talk about it every day. Taking care of the football is number one priority of our offense. And it'll be the same this week. Okay, let's go,
1: Sean. Last question.
2: That maybe bleeds a little bit into my last question, uh, Aaron, because um, with the benefit of having a couple of days to kind of look back at your QB1's performance in, in week one, how would you kind of grade out Jaron and how he did and also fully cognizant of the fact that this was still also only week one, no matter how good or bad or in between somewhere he may have, he may yeah. have been? Yeah, I was, I was really pleased with how he played. I, I thought, thought he played very well. Um, you know, we started out the game, first play of the game, threw a good ball, you know, it's a pass Gunner would usually catch. Unfortunately, we didn't complete it. Then had a tough little stretch there where I think he started out like one for five or one for six. And most of those plays, something went wrong in the play, either with our execution or with the defense doing something that we hadn't seen before, weren't ready for, that kind of, you know, caused him to get off that start. But what, if you know, if you look at it again – what he did in those times is he took really good care of the ball. Like He never put it in jeopardy. He was giving people a chance without putting the ball at risk. And then he hit a stretch there in the middle of the game where I think he went eight for nine, somewhere in the middle of the game there, led us to three scores. And um, if he takes care of the ball like that, and then we can just keep improving our execution, you know, as, especially as we're playing teams where we can have a little little more information about uh, game plan and what we're going to see that Saturday. I think he's just going to get better every week, and it's one game. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to get too high or too low. But I was really pleased with how he played. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, I call I call the quarterback on the phone every every series, and um, I've had experiences in the past where you talk to your quarterback on the phone, and what he's seeing and what I'm seeing aren't the same thing. And that was that's often the case with quarterbacks who making their first start or just haven't played a lot. They get freaked out, especially in a game like that where there was all these different things that we, we had prepared for going on. And in each case, he could, he could tell me what he saw on each play, and it was the same as what I was seeing. And so the fact that he had that kind of poise and that kind of po- recall of the plays, you know, makes me confident that he's just going to keep improving.
0: There is Aaron Roderick. Still to come, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, a former Aggie quarterback. How does he think the Utah-BYU game will play out? That's coming up. But next, it's Jay Hill and Paul Peterson, the head coaches of Weber State and Dixie State. They're playing Saturday night at 8 in St. George. They're next. Stay with us.
1: Ready, 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 It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network.
4: Ah.
1: From Monday morning to the post-game press conference... Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time now to talk about the other in state game this week Weber State and Dixie State playing Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Paul Peterson, Dixie State coach, joins us in a moment. But right now, it's Weaver State coach Jay Hill, and he is on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at SmartRain.net. Jay, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. We're doing well. We're doing well. So you open up with the Utes, and I'm curious, playing a Pac-12 school, how much you learned about your team and how much you have questions because their talent level is so unlike a lot of the other schools you're going to play, and how much this makes the second game easier for your guys. You face the biggest, strongest guys you're going to face, and does it all seem easier now against the next team?
4: Well, I mean, it, it did give us a gauge on what we're all about, our toughness and physicality. I thought we hung in there for the most t- most most of the game, um, we know that we're not going to face anybody bigger and stronger than those guys. Um, so, you know, that it, it gives us a gauge. I don't know if we know exactly who we are just yet. This, this game and the next one I think will be, we'll know here in the next two weeks exactly what we're all about.
5: Well, I think, Jay, you know, without that rain delay, I think that took away all your momentum. And if the weather had stayed good, I think you'd win that game.
4: <laughs> I appreciate. it. I love that. <laughs> now, there was so much to overcome in that game, right? I mean, they're very physical on the offensive defensive line. The rain delay was a pain in the butt, and just I, I was happy with a lot of the things that we did that game. And we missed a lot of opportunities that were disappointing to me. Um, you know, getting stuffed on the goal line where we could have had an opportunity to get back within five right at the end of the first half. Just. There were some things that we didn't do what we needed to do to have even a, a little bit better showing in that game.
0: Do you like to irritate Morgan Scally whenever possible? I know I do.
4: Absolutely. He's my, fav- he's my favorite guy to do that to.
0: Well, you did because uh, at the media availability, he was asked about the game. He says, well, there were several things, and when he got to 17-play drive, he spit the words out. He was, not, he was not pleased with the 17-play drive. So he, got, he said it ended. It was a good response, but it should have never gotten to that point. Yeah, he was irritated. Well,
4: that, that's why he's so good. He's so competitive. and He's an elite coordinator, and you give him 17 plays, and usually he's found a way out of the drive before then. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that he got irritated over that.
5: Speaking of not being surprised, Shahid, man, that was so electric, that kickoff return. But this kid's a big talent.
4: Oh, he's a big-time guy. He's an NFL guy. He's the all-time leader in kick returns for touchdowns in college football, and so it's not like he hasn't done this before.
0: Yes, but the reaction shot from you on the sideline, jumping and pumping your fist, it got replayed all night. It was on Sports Center. It was on college football shows the next day. Did you hear from people, uh, you hear from friends around the conference or around the country? Because you were going nuts.
4: Well, I mean, in that particular game, you guys know my ties to Utah and uh, having played there and coached there for so long. That was an important. That's an important game to us, our players, myself, and to go in there and play well was important. And so to jump out seven three early in the game and to do it on that play was a big deal. And you know, we we coach this game because we're passionate guys and we love what we do. And so when something good happens, it's easy to. (laughs) <laughs> Get caught on film, you know, getting excited and being like that.
5: How about a uh, good news, bad news thing for the big sky going up to Washington and getting a win, but it also makes your job tougher? That's <laughs> because in Montana, man, they looked really good, obviously, beating a ranked Pac 12 team on the road.
4: Well, we, you know, Montana's a great program and. The reality is the Big Sky plays great football. We had three wins last week against FBS opponents. And so for them to go in there and, you know, pull off an upset, does that surprise me? Absolutely not. Um, Does it happen every day? No, but that doesn't surprise me. They're well coached, they're tough, and um, they're going to continue to win a lot of games this year.
0: So, who else uh, do you view as the top of the league after seeing one week? Obviously, Eastern Washington got one of those wins you speak of. They went to UNLV and won 35-33.
4: Well, Montana's going to be good. We know that. beating Washington. Montana State's going to be good. They had a lead, I think, with two minutes left in the game against Wyoming. And then uh, Eastern Washington goes down to UNLV and wins. And... uh, UC Davis went out. Tulsa and won and Tulsa was supposed to be good this year so I mean all those, ga- all those teams that I just mentioned and us will be right there and then there's going to be one more team up there whether it's NAU or somebody else somebody else will make a run at this team besides the five that we've mentioned
0: Alright it's time to bring in the head coach at Dixie State Paul Peterson and uh, Jay how much have you been able to hang out with Paul how well do you know him Mm-hmm. Um,
4: so we've known each other for a long time just through the coaching scene and all that stuff. I would not say we've hung out a lot, but i got a ton of respect for Paul and what he's done, both at Snow College and Dixie
0: State. He's a good coach. Well, Paul, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the kind words, Jay. I've uh, yep. I've asked Jay to hang out a bunch of times. He just turned me down. so still <laughs> wait
5: Oh, is Jay Hill's <laughs> big time is? Is that what it is, Coach?
4: You know, if we go... I just know if I go fishing with him, I'm going to catch all the fish, and then he's going to be mad at me. and I just, I just turn real, it down man. before that happens.
0: Yeah, right. Let's go. Paul, all day. Love it. Paul yep. same question you. We just asked Jay, what do you learn from that first, uh, that first game you had Sacramento State in and, uh, and it ended up being a pretty low-scoring game?
3: Yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get. Uh, you know, you're sick of banging on each other, and, and that first game is always important to see where you're at, see the progression that, that you've made as a team, and and um, really, when you play a good team like Sacks State, it kind of exposes some of the things that you need to work on and fix. And so, um, I think it was good for our guys. We, we uh, you know, we competed. I thought uh, pretty well. We we missed missed some opportunities, and with a good team like that, you can't you can't miss. But um, you know, proud of our team for the effort that they had. And, they're they're willing to work hard and, and and you know we know that doesn't guarantee results but uh, um, we're trying to build this thing the right way and the guys are putting in great effort.
5: Well, the uh, St. George community's got to be excited about Weaver State coming in, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. We we uh, we hate Weaver State. We hate the color purple. <laughs> um, so we're just looking we're looking forward to this uh, in-state rivalry. You know, I, it's fun. It, it really is. I think um, us making this jump. Um, and And, and with what Weaver's done uh, with their history, what Jay's done with with multiple conference championships, like we're we're trying to get to that spot, right? So to be able to play uh, teams like 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 Weaver State in state and have that rivalry, I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. I'm sure they'll travel down here. everybody likes coming to St. George. And so um it'd just be a great atmosphere uh, here in St. George and a great game.
0: when you go from Division two to the championship subdivision, how many of your players have the talent, the size, the athletic ability to make that jump? And how much, what percentage of the roster has to be upgraded? Because it's a different level, and you need a different level player.
3: You know, I, I wish I had some of my players to answer that question for you because they'd be pissed off. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good question. I, our, our guys, um, you know, once we made that jump, they're not they weren't D two anymore, and that was kind of our mindset, right? So they have this little chip on their shoulder to prove that they belong at this level. and um, I think we I think we've done a really good job of, of getting some recruits, some some developmental guys that we that we feel like um, have, have a great opportunity to be successful at this level. And you know we got we got some work to do in the weight room and and um, got some work to do uh, this season playing some really good teams. And so I you know I like where we're at and I like I like the attitude of our of our players. And we're going to continue to have that chip on our shoulder for sure.
5: I guess, Jay, since you've been coaching in this state and been recruiting for a long time now at two different schools, um, how difficult is it going to be now? Because we've got two schools down south that are playing football, and when we've got the three up here. Uh, I don't know that there's enough bodies to stock rosters for everybody from the state. So is it going to increase the level of difficulty in recruiting?
4: Well, what's made recruiting in the state of Utah so hard is not necessarily just the schools in the state, but we are getting such heavy pressures from the school out of state. You know, uh, all the Pac-12 schools are in here recruiting now, and pretty much the majority of the Mountain West schools are in here recruiting. So it's, it's not like you're just recruiting against each other. You're recruiting against all the top dogs that are coming in here. And some of the guys that used to slide up under the radar and we could get easily or more easily, it's getting harder and harder because of the recruiting pressure.
0: Paul, how much can you hit Arizona? PK makes that drive because he's got family, and you know St. George is four hours closer. And Arizona doesn't have nearly as many teams, and has a lot more people. Can you hit on that uh, over the next yeah. few years?
3: Yeah, and uh, you know I want to piggyback with Jay. I think you know with with Utah, I think there's so many. The word is out, right? All these teams coming in. It just goes to, to show how good these high school coaches are in preparing these kids to come play. But yeah, I know Arizona's a quick, quick flight for our, for us. It's one of the hubs right here out of our airport. I think it's a quick 45, 50 minute flight and pretty cheap. And so it makes sense for us to be able to get down there. And um, you know, one of the other things, playing in the WAC um, with these Texas schools, we're going to have you know the ability to go down and and um, have have kids see us uh, from Texas too. So that's that's something that. Uh, um, we'll, we'll plan on too, getting getting in Texas and and both Arizona.
5: Until fairly recently, if guys wanted to transfer and be eligible from the uh, the high level, the, the what are they called, the F uh, bull BS, subdivision, uh, right. they could drop down and be eligible. I'm wondering how the transfer portal and the basically the the free transfer is going to affect both of your programs at your levels. Yeah, well,
3: well right. At Dixie State, you know, we 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 um, we grabbed a couple guys here in the off season. You know, we got a, we got uh, um, a couple grad transfers and and, and a couple younger kids um, off the tram- transfer portal. And I think it's kind of a little for me. It was just similar to JC guys. You know, we we got, wanted to add some depth and we wanted some guys to come in here and, and compete too. So um, I think you got to kind of kind of play that game. Transfer portal kind of scary a little bit for me. You want to you want to be able to have maybe a relationship with the kid before. Um, um, you know, if, if he's a good player and he's the right player, uh, program guy, then then those coaches and coaching staffs going to try and hang on to him. Um, but there's there's always um, certain situations you got to you got to do a little digging on each one of these kids that are on that portal for sure.
5: Address that, Jay.
3: Uh, well, and I think you
4: make a good point, PK, is that where these players used to be able to come to us and be immediately eligible, but not go to another four year program, an FBS program, and be eligible. We used to get a lot of those transfers, and now we're not going to get as many because they're going to transfer what they say laterally, right? They'll go from a Mountain West school to another Mountain West school. And so some of the guys that we were getting, so they could be immediately eligible, uh, we don't have that advantage anymore. So I think that that will cut down a little bit on maybe some of the four-year transfers that we get. Uh, but we were never – we state a big transfer anyway. We want to recruit high school athletes and develop them for four years.
0: So one thing I heard and it was actually I think Kyle Whittingham who brought it up at a, one of his immediate availabilities uh, during spring football was that guys had to be careful about going into the portal because the numbers game, he says there's there's more guys going into the portal than there are landing spots. So I wondered if that gave either one of you a chance to get some guys you wouldn't normally get.
4: Well, like I say, usually, and this is not always, but usually guys are going in the portal for a reason. Either they can't play where they're at, which is a big red flag, or they had issues mm-hmm. there, which is a big big red flag. And so you just got to be careful in the transfer portal. And a lot of, a lot of these kids want to be recruited and be re-recruited, and so they're going in the portal and they're finding, just like Kyle said, that there's really not that many spots, and there's not that many schools out there looking like these kids originally thought there would be yeah.
5: well Jay what's going to be your game plan against uh, Dixie why don't you just tell us right now
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. score more yeah. points, score details, more points yeah. than they score yeah
5: go into detail, yeah, <laughs>
4: detail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well uh, you know they've got they are very aggressive on both sides of the ball and so we're going to have to do something to match obviously their aggressiveness uh, I like what both their coordinators do uh, Justin Anna and Kelly Bills do a great job of course, Peterson's done a great job. We're gonna to have to go in there and play clean. We can't go there, slop around, and turn the ball all over. Like, like everybody knows to win a football game, and we'll go in there and try to instill our physicality and toughness and the things that have won us four straight conference championships. We got to go in there and continue to be us.
0: Paul, halfback option pass. What are you thinking? Fumble, Ruski? Nope, that was outlawed. Can't do that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got five or six trick plays we're gonna open up with. Uh, no, we we um. Really, really the same thing. You we know, got we got to take care of the ball. You know, this last game we got some stuff we got to clean up and stay in front of the chains. Give ourselves some uh, good down distances where we can stay on the field a little bit longer. That was definitely a, an issue with the last game and not scoring enough points. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of taking care of us um, and making sure we're getting better at those details and our executions. Got to be at a higher level. Um, you know, as far as far as Weber State again, they, they've they've earned the right to, to be a ranked team and 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 win those conference championships, and so. You know, we we've got to we got to play mistake free and and uh, match their physicality up front. And they do a really good job in both sides of the ball up front with their guys in the trenches, and so it's a big challenge for
5: us for sure. You said with Will State at quarterback.
3: Yeah.
4: Yep. Oh, uh, there was a pause there. PK. Did you hear
1: that? <laughs>
0: there was a pause. I've heard quarterback controversy. <laughs> Alright, it uh, it's it's Weaver State and Dixie State. It's Saturday night, 8 o'clock in St. George. Uh, I, I'm curious, Paul, did you guys ever think about uh, moving this game so it didn't conflict with the Utah-BYU game? PK was down there for a BYU practice a few years ago, and it, he could not believe how many people turned out. There's a a lot of cougars down there they might love some dixie but state football you gotta have it at night though because it's too hot yeah it's just too hot yeah
3: <laughs> yeah i know i just that, that that's always a fun fun uh fun rivalry game for for the state and that red and blue and um I, you know I, I i have a good feeling it's going to be a pretty packed crowd we had uh our biggest crowd last week and and um, we had a ton of ticket sales already before this 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 matchup so i anticipate our stadium having, having a fun atmosphere and we got a little flyover, and, you know, uh, um, we want to we um, show our support for our troops and, and what they've done to help keep us safe on, the, on this 9-11. And, and so it'll just be a fun fun football game. And like I said, it's rivalry for us. I don't know, we probably don't think it's rivalry yet, but for us it's, it's trying to get to that level and, and playing a really fun in-state game.
0: He's got the gutty underdog card going. So you hear that right there, Jay? They, they probably <laughs> don't think it's a rivalry. They don't respect us. So. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us, and uh, we'll be looking forward to the game Saturday night. Thank you. Awesome. Great being with you guys. There's Jay Hill and Paul Peterson, the head coaches at Weber State and Dixie State, as they get ready to play Saturday night, 8 o'clock, in St. George. We're going to take a break and come back with our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He is pumped about the win. His Aggies got at Washington State, and he's got his pick for the BYU-Utah rivalry game Saturday night. That's next. Stay with us.
1: It's game week for the Cougars And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff It ain't over till it's over The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at LaBelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 12.80, The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJPK, it's time to talk football. With Riley Jensen, college football expert and mental performance coach, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Riley, you need to. Um, You need to multitask during this. If you don't already have your Utah BYU pick, we're going to get it from you before this segment ends. So be prepared. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. But first, as a former Aggie quarterback, you had to be pretty excited with the way your Aggies came up big in the fourth quarter at Washington State and won a Pac-12 road game for the first time ever. And I am curious, because now in your current line of work, you're a mental performance coach, and I'm curious where the Aggies got the confidence to pull that off. In the middle of the fourth quarter, they needed a touchdown, they needed a stop, and they needed a touchdown. And they didn't have a touchdown in the whole game. So why did they think they were going to get two? And they hadn't gotten a stop in the second half. It was touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And they needed a zero, and they needed the ball back quickly. They got all three thought, things. They win the game. How do they do that?
6: Well, first of all, it was really interesting because I was texting my brothers during the game, and I was like, "This is really, really odd to me." But I'm loving the way the offense is playing, and it was like six to five, or yeah. I can't—I can't remember. It was eight to five. I mean, it was 10, And I was like, "I can't—I can't put a finger on it right now." But there's something going well about this offense for Utah State, and it was. It was really fun to watch. Look, uh, both both Peasley and Bonner, they competed. They had, they both had some like really detrimental tu- uh, turnovers that could have really cost Utah State. That only cost them three points. But I thought overall, those guys played feisty. They played tough, and the defense all night. Uh, it, it's it feels like that's the first time that I've seen a defense that can fly around since the first time Gary was, was Gary Anderson was the coach at Utah State, the defense was just really fun to watch. And this, this Rice kid that transferred in from Arkansas State and was the Fresno State, and he was the Mountain West player of the year on defense two or three years ago. I can't remember what it is. He's a fun player to watch, and he has these guys going in the right direction. And you got to give a lot of credit to Coach Blake Anderson for having these guys ready to play. I think... The reason why they were able to score and the reason why they were able to get stops is if you go to the defensive side, they were getting stops in the first half. Washington State had made some adjustments. Utah State finally made the adjustments that they needed to. And then offensively, I thought all game, if they if they could just figure out how to get it to the red zone and, and finish it off in the red zone, um, that, that they were going to be able to score some touchdowns. Now, I'll be honest with you with, four minutes and 30 seconds left i was like dang it they just they couldn't figure it out and then and then they did i mean it was and that throw by bonner on the slant i mean that was a back that was a back hip pocket slant throw i mean that's that's a veteran throw that's not an easy throw to make in the red zone to know to put put it away from the defender in a place where your receiver can still catch it and score and what what a big win for utah state i mean if you're a Utah State fan, there's been so many games, like the loss at Wisconsin where you miss a 27-yard field goal, right? The the Auburn game where you give up 10 points in the last three minutes of the game. Otherwise, you have Auburn. and There's just been so many heartbreakers that it was really fun. And I know I know, Pac-12 fans are like, well, it's just Wazoo. Hey, to Utah State right now, any win on the road against a P5 team, that's a big deal. That's a big yeah. deal.
5: Home or away, for that matter. I'm wondering if you see a situation going forward when coaching changes are made and they're made out of not because a good coach left, but they're made because the program fired somebody. And that's the case here. If going forward, athletic directors will look at uh, when they hire their new coach, how much he was beloved by his players, because then you bring the coach and you also bring the quarterback and you bring the best defensive player and on and on and they're immediately eligible.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider that, right? Like, there's so many things in college football now that we have to consider. I mean, look, the portal is here to stay. Let's let's be honest. The portal has had a significant impact on a lot of teams, and it's made a lot of teams better. It's, it's made a lot of teams be able to recover quicker from a difficult year. And, look, I don't know what's going to happen with Utah State. Um, I, think, I think that Coach Blake Anderson was hired because he offensively – can energize the team and, and and make it a little bit more fun for fans to want to come to the game. I think that's why he was hired. And I'm telling you, it was a 6-5 six, six to five ball game. And I was like, I don't know why, but the Aggies are moving the ball. They had 222 yards rushing. They were throwing the ball around. There was interesting and cool little wrinkles to their plays. But I think you're right came back to the point of like if this guy's likable and he can bring some players now who would have thought that bring a quarterback from Arkansas State and a linebacker from Arkansas State was going to make Utah State better but they did fill some holes and fill some needs that Utah State needed to fill and so all of a sudden it's it's you know there, there's a whole different field now look I have to be honest the Utah State football team and the coaching staff there you have to give them a lot of credit They've been very excited about this season, and I think they were seeing some things that even I didn't see. I I was thinking this is like new coach, new energy, like everybody's just excited because it's different, right? But they obviously saw something different than what I saw. I, I, mistake, I mistakenly made a judgment on this team of like, yeah, it's going to take a little while to rebuild this thing. Now, it still remains to be seen. I mean, you beat Washington State, they could be a real mess up there, and we just don't know it, right? But I think I think this is a great step, and this is something that they can really, really build on as a team.
0: I want to underline what you said about Washington State. I don't know it; I'm too far away to prove it. But Rolovich has said weird stuff in the off season, and he's handled situations oddly. And yes, it's the vaccine, but it's not just the vaccine; it's other stuff too. So if there's a weird vibe, um, you know. And some of this loss is on them not being able to seal it. Yes, but. Utah State looked completely different, and I don't think you can put it just to the coaching change, and Arizona surprised us. I think we have got to say that if you handle the transfer portal right, even though you're not bringing in Heisman Trophy winners and everybody's got some baggage or they wouldn't be leaving the school they're leaving, you can upgrade stuff, and you're Weakest spots where teams really attack you and beat you, you can upgrade them and make them better very quickly. And I think that matters. And Blake Anderson said, people don't, people look at your starters, but fans don't really worry about the depth that much. And over the course of a season, sometimes really quickly, the depth will bite you because you don't have it and you have some quick early injuries and things go really wrong. So I think what Arizona and Utah State, the way they both passed an eyeball test, even though Arizona lost, uh, these transfers matter.
6: No, no question. And I, I, I love that statement from Blake. It, look, typically what happens to a football team, it's it's usually the teams that stay healthy that have really good seasons. I mean, it's it, it just is. Football is a game where people get hurt. And if you can build some sort of depth with the portal and you can bring in key players that you're missing, I mean, golly, you just don't slide as far. And so I think that's... I think that's a key I think it's a key indicator. And the coaches that I've talked to around, and most of the coaches in the contacts that I have are in this state. They're like, the portal is a big deal. and it, and they almost begrudgingly say it because they feel bad for like some of the freshmen and the recruiting classes that will take place because the portal has become so important. I mean, it's free agency for college football, right? And you're able to do some things that you normally couldn't do. And these coaches are paying very close attention to the portal uh, going forward because I think they see the value in this and how how a second-string, big-time player coming out of high school who's not happy, it doesn't mean that he can't play, and it doesn't mean that he can't have a good attitude in another school with another fresh start. and yeah I mean, I think it's showing. Arizona, I'll tell you where Arizona was impressive to me. There was some in the second half against BYU there was some team speed stuff that just really stood out to me for Arizona where it was like wow if you give the ball to number 5 right now he he's really hard to tackle even even when BYU was doing a great job with team tackling and so i feel like they were much improved and i think i think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for for folks like us, right, that are always analyzing and looking at football, because we're going to have to really take into consideration, okay, so who is this guy from the portal and what kind of an impact can, we, can he really have? Because it's not going to be the same same situation where we go, okay, so here's the freshman, here's the returning starter, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're going to we're gonna have to dig deep. And maybe I'm just talking to myself. I know you guys do your homework a lot better than I do, but this, this portal thing is is, has changed the face of college football forever, in my opinion.
5: I thought Jaron Hall was solid, if not spectacular. I can't go that far, but certainly no turnovers and move the ball. He'll get better. What do you think of him and his first performance as a starter this season?
6: I thought it was very. I thought that was a very solid first start. I didn't. I didn't feel like there was any throws or any any difficult things. But, with the exception of the touchdown that he threw to Neil Pau down down the middle, it was, it was a little bit late. But I don't know that he wasn't trying to set it up to go there. So that that's my only question mark. Is like was that was that like I was reading left and I thought and I thought oh I I, I gotta get this and then late his reaction was to throw late down the middle. I mean that's that's a common phrase in football. You get a little bit nervous, but. I'm also not being critical because it may have been that he was looking it off, looking it off, and then throwing it there, but he just threw it a little bit late. So I'd like to see that throw just speed up a little bit and recognize that and get there just a little bit quicker. But overall, man, I mean, his footwork, his ability to, like, turn on the jets down the sideline, I, I didn't feel like the moment was too big for him. That's that's the thing I'm always looking for in a first start was was the moment too big for you. Was, it, was this too intimidating? Was it too difficult to do? And I thought... I I would have graded him um just because I know how good he can be that's that's probably a good solid B performance but that's not that's not me ripping on him that's me knowing that he has he has more in his canister and I think as he feels more and more confident and as the coaching staff feels more and more confident in him there's just going to be bigger and bigger games for him
0: Can Utah stop Algier and put the whole offense on Hall? Because that would seem to be a big ask if that's what happens.
6: Well, I kind of think so. Look, I mean, Weber State is a pretty good football team. I'm not comparing them to BYU with two really good running backs. And Weber State couldn't even get a hand on Devin Lloyd defensively. And I thought thought against the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd – on that field was the best player on the field he he literally was in the face of running backs every single play and the offensive lineman when they were trying to do their combination blocks where they where they block a defensive lineman and slide up to Devin Moore, they couldn't do it because he was reacting and getting there way too quick I feel like BYU uh, they have to be able to run the ball and I think that starts with blocking number zero. If you don't block Devin Lloyd, it's going to be a really, really tough ask for BYU to just put put the ball in Jaron Hall's hands in his second start and say, okay, start slinging around and get us a win. Now, that doesn't mean that BYU is not really, really capable. That doesn't mean that they don't have great receivers and all those sorts of things. But I, I think if. Utah's game plan has always been take away the run and force the team to be one dimensional. And if they can do that to BYU, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for them.
5: How about the other way around? As far as what uh, Utah's offense is going to be able to do, because you look at what Arizona did, and they threw the ball fairly well against uh, the Cougars, but they didn't. You know, they only got it in the end zone once, I think. There, right, with the, some field goals and safety, uh, but they still had success. A fair amount of success throwing it, maybe a little bit more so than running it. What do you think Utah's offensive philosophy is going to be against BYU's defense?
6: So I think I think that Charlie Brewer and I was I was there in person at the game and I was in a spot where I could really kind of read the play with the quarterback. It's the best this is the most polished quarterback that Utah has had since Brian Johnson or Alex Smith. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as them, but as far as, like, taking his eyes and executing with his eyes, throwing the ball accurately downfield, doing some different things. I mean, the biggest thing that they need to to work on offensively as far as the passing games this week is they all these receivers and tight ends need to get on the jugs machine because – I saw for the first time a University of Utah quarterback that wasn't afraid to throw the ball to a guy that's only one yard open and put it right on his helmet. And there was a couple of drops. There was a drop in the end zone by one of the tight ends that was a touchdown. And I really felt like during the game, I saw the University of Utah leave about 13 points on the board. And I thought it was mostly because of drops, not because of lack of execution. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that's lack of execution. But the play was open the thing that they were trying to execute was open and I'm I'm very impressed with Charlie Brewer. I'd be very surprised um, to see him not play pretty well this week especially with the manipulation of his eyes and being able to move defensive backs around based on what he's trying to do. And and look Weber and Utah and BYU all play pretty similar defenses so the defense that that Brewer saw last Thursday night is a good is a good start. Or, or a good way to kind of get warmed up for what the BYU defense will look like.
0: So, when it's all said and done, Riley, what's it going to be? You mean well, life? I... No, the game Saturday night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Riley, Judgment Day. <laughs> Spell it out for it. No, Riley, BYU, Utah, midnight, one a.m. If there's a really bad storm, what's it? What's everyone's mood going to be?
6: Well, I I feel like it's really it's just really hard it's really hard to pick against the University of Utah um, just be, just because man there's there's some there's some mentality stuff going on right now there's there's a whole bunch of like mental difficulties that are going on in this game and what you have to worry about if you're BYU is is there a, a here we go again type of attitude if some momentum starts to go one way or the other but. I'm I'm picking the University of Utah to win this game in a super close one and maybe not for any other reason that just because until they lose one, like I can't pick against Utah. It just feels like they have so much the number of BYU right now that it's hard it's hard to see that breaking through, especially when I see defensively somebody like Devin Lloyd and when I see offensively somebody like Charlie Brewer who who can really, really throw the ball. Now, he doesn't have the biggest arm that I've seen at the University of Utah, but, man, the accuracy and the ability to move defenses around and manipulate them into what he wants to do. He's hes a, pre, he's, he's a formidable quarterback, and if they can continue to protect him, I, I don't see the Utes losing this week.
0: Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week.
6: Thanks, you guys. Have a great day.
0: There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next.